hope will not shake us. And this is the everlasting hope that we have. And uh, for those who are watching, you can see behind me, I put a picture of uh, budding and blooming and, and whatnot. I've decorated as much as I can. And uh, today I would like to bring God's word. I really want to thank our dear pastor and Pastor Prem and all of you. And uh, I pray that uh, the Spirit of God will minister to us. And I pray the Word of God will take deep root. It, it is in that obscurity where the Word hits and hides. And you've got to wait patiently when we will see that budding and blooming and, and the spreading of God's glory across this world. And so I'm just sharing the screen and... Um, Let's get on to promise verse, and this is what it says. And, and today I would like to, I know pastor has unlocked a lot of truth from this. And uh, this promise is just not uh, to be treated an annual release in the month of January and we forget, no. And uh, for all of us as, as, as a church and uh, for us as individuals, uh, every word of God is, is, it's got the potential to change our lives, to change our destiny, to change our direction. And so uh, with that hope, and let us march through, you know, in the words of, of, of all that we sang, the hope, he's our hope, and he's able to do more than we can, we can with our human calculation. And the news of the virus is spreading much faster than that is the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we are spirit-led, spirit-filled, no matter what the situation is, just like it was said about the apostles, the people who turned the world upside down have come among us. Maybe be in that bracket of those who know what to speak, when to speak, and bring in that hope. Now let's go to these three verses in from three, I mean, same verse from three different translations. In the days to come, it is to come, future tense, Jacob will take root and Israel will bud. Look at that, Jacob of the old has to take root. Jacob has to die underneath the ground and Israel will bud and blossom. You see how so uniquely, so wisely, so specially the spirit of God has phrased this out. Unless the Jacob of the old dies, Israel will not bud and blossom. Something, something to dwell upon. Israel will bud and blossom and fill the world with fruit. Now let's go to the uh, good news translation. In the days to come, the people of Israel, the descendants of Jacob, will take root like a tree. They got to go down first. The wise man built his house upon the rock and he got to dig down deep till he found the rock. He simply did not dig. You got to dig deep till you hit the rock, the rock of Jesus Christ. Unless you hit that rock, the building is not going to be strong. So descendants of Jacob will take root like a tree they will blossom and bud and the earth will be covered with the fruit they produce now something interesting about the fruit is it's not that this the, the, the nation of israel we as the spiritual israel will go around distributing fruit well within the fruit is the potential of the seed it is the seed which scatters it is the seed that will take the plant. It is the seed. Unless a grain of seed hits the ground and dies, it will be one. But if it goes to the ground and takes root, it will multiply. And look at this, this translation. Duway Reigns translation says, Israel was blossom and bud, and they will fill the face of the world with seed. And so today I would like to talk about the seed. Because in the seed... And here the allusion is to Israel as a vineyard, as a, as a wine plant or a tree that you would like to take. And, and vineyard, you got the grapes. Inside the fruit is the seed. It is the seed that has to propel. It is the seed that will spread. So seed is like the offspring, like the descendants. And so we have a promise word for 2021 that we as a community, as a church, as a people of God, we will spread. There will be that spreading of God. There will be that filling of God. How, when, why, those calculations, God knows it. But we got to be faithful with the seed that is given to us. And so let me go down the anatomy of a seed, very simple. Well, within the seed, there are two sections. You call the pumule, which becomes the shoot. Radical, which becomes the root. And so if Israel has to take root, that means we got to be careful with the seed. It's in the seed. How, how, 
how well you take care of the seed will tell you how well you can dig deep and go to the ground and take root. And so our promise, I mean, we're going to look into this aspect of the promise for today. And I pray that as we march on through this year, God will give us grace to fulfill what he has promised to us as a church and as individuals. So the title of the message today is the principle of the seed. Um, maybe a little heavy, but for those who are making notes, uh, blessed are you, uh, you, know, you know, your memory will be refreshed and uh, God will minister to us. Let me start off with the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, 11 to 13, God has got a unique way when he commands the creation. Now then God said in verse 11, let the land produce vegetation. What kind of vegetation? And he was very specific when the Lord started creating the vegetation. Seed bearing plants. It's just not plants. God's intent was every plant should have a seed. How? Seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. So God's intention was, I need a plant and that plant need to bud and blossom. And at it blossom, it should turn into a fruit. And in that fruit, I need a seed. That's the principle of the seed. It's just not a fruit. It's not de-seeded. It is with the seed was the intention of God. And that seed should be according to the kind, meaning mango tree will have mango seed. Mango tree will not have an orange seed. That is the idea of God. That's the principle of God. Look at verse 12. And, and so it was. Verse 12. The land produced vegetation. Plants bearing seed according to their kind. It's very important for today's, today's um, message. Seed according to their kind. It was, it was God's intention that that seed will have the feature of the kind. It is not misplaced, it is not distorted, it is not misrepresented. Their seed, uh, according to the kind of trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kind. And God saw it was good. So, very simple. So, what was God trying to look at? If you plant a mango seed, it will have the pumule and the radical. You'll get a small shrub. And then slowly the plant, mango plant, mango plant will become mango tree. Mango tree will have mango fruit and mango fruit will have mango seed. And that seed will again go down to the ground and the cycle goes on. That is, the, that is God's intention. It sounds very simple, uh, but this is the truth. That there is much that is there hidden in the statements of what the Lord wanted to tell. So mango tree will have mango seed or mango tree, mango fruit, mango seed, mango plant. Orange, the same way vine the same way, grapes the same way. So if you plant a seed according to the kind, you get the tree according to the kind, you get the fruit according to the kind, and you get the seed within according to its kind. Now let's go to the Garden of Eden very quickly. There's something amiss here. Now the Lord God had planted. Who planted? The Lord planted. It didn't come about just like that. The Lord planted. So if the Lord plants a garden, he'll plant according to the principles that he has spoken. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. So that means in the region of Eden, in the east, in the east, there was a garden. The whole Eden was not a garden. In the east, there was a garden that the Lord planted. And there he put man he had formed, verse 9. And the Lord God made all kind of trees grow out of the ground. That means the Lord would have followed the principle that he had established in Genesis 1. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden. So that means in Eden, in the east, in the middle. In the middle of the garden where the tree of life. Pause there everybody and just 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 rewind what what we established as the principle if there's a tree of life there will be plant of life the plant of life would have come from the seed of life the seed of life would germinate yeah so let's go the the forward way the tree of life will have the fruit of life the fruit of life will have the seed of life very good now look at the next one in the garden where the tree of life the first one and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Pause here. How can you have a tree with two natures in it? Is it the principle of God? I'm just going to leave us with questions and you will answer when we come to the end. 
a tree, a tree with the knowledge of good and evil. So that means, how can it be that the seed will have two natures in it? It's against the principle of God. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why is it? So how is the fruit of good and evil? How come is it? There's a dichotomy here. I'm just going to leave it there and then come to the next part, portion of it and, and, and try to dwell upon a passage and then you will be able to, we will be able to answer that. Now, leave that tree, that tree with two different natures, two different kinds of fruit in one seed, one plant. I mean, it is a little disturbing there. Let's look at Genesis 2.25 and 3.1 very, very keenly. If you look at this passage, man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Genesis 3.1, now the serpent was more crafty than all the wild animals the Lord had made. Now, right at the end of Genesis chapter 2, it closes with man and woman unclothed. And suddenly you have a new visitor in the garden. It seems that the story is chopped in chapter 2 and suddenly starts off with somewhere in chapter 3. But if you, I mean, we know that the Bible did not have chapter divisions. The writer of Genesis, Moses himself, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was writing down. Now, if you look at the, the two words that I put in red in Hebrew, then you'll understand something that is in chapter 2, 25 and 3, 1 naked and crafty. Now let's try to take the meaning of naked and crafty in Hebrew. The word naked means arom. The word crafty is also arom. So the writer is trying to say that there were three people who were arom in the garden. Three people. So there is a pun intended. Now what is naked? Naked we all know is clothless. But arum, there's another meaning which is called crafty. So let's try to take this word and go down one step. So Genesis 3.1 is connected with Genesis 2.25 by this Hebrew word play. What is that? Arum. Arum. Adam and Eve were arum and there was one more arum in the garden. And that arum is more, more than any other animals. This animal was more arum, most crafty. In other sense, how did Eve, a serpent approach Eve? This is my imagination. I'm reading between the lines. And, and Eve would, a serpent would go to Eve and say, Eve, are you arum? I am also arum. Are you clothless, naked? I am also clothless and naked. Did God really tell you not to eat the fruit? You see, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm as harmless as you are, Eve. I have no other intentions. I, I'm as vulnerable as you are. I'm just, I'm just putting those lines to just explain the word Arum. Now, what is pun? Pun is a word that sounds the same but means different. I just put down a little bit, a few words there at the, below the slide there. No and no. No. Yes or no. Or do you know that there are two words for no, yes or no. Then you have here and here. I hear, but where are you? Are you here or are you there? Then you wait and wait. Those who wait on the Lord will lose weight. Isaiah 40, 31. Have you heard that verse anywhere? Oh, no. So wait and wait. And then you have to pray and pray. The devil prays, or when we pray, we can stop the devil from praying. So you have to pray. So sounds the same, but means different. Let me come down here to explain the simple meaning of the word naked. The word naked is smooth, hairless, clothless, smooth. Now let's put that in the garden. They were the probably innocence, clothed with the glory of God, harmless. They had no extra intention, Adam and Eve, when the Lord made them. There was nothing that was covering them. And so that was there, that's the root meaning of the word our room. Now, when you come to this word, our room called crafty, the same Hebrew word, crafty. What is the meaning of crafty? Now, watch this very carefully. I've got a small test after this. Clever or crafty means smooth talker on the outside. Charming and deceptive, 
flawless on the exterior. That's the meaning. That's another shade of meaning for our room, crafty. Outside, very smooth. But inside, rough. With ulterior hidden motives on the inside. So crafty has got two shades. On the outside, I'm very smooth. Very sweet. No flaw. But on the inside, I have my ulterior motive. Exterior, okay. Ulterior, evil motive. Hidden. Nobody knows about it. So outside, I'm very arum. I'm smooth. I hope you remember Proverbs chapter 5 verse 3. The, the, the words of an adulteress are sweet as honey and smoother than oil. But in the end, it is bitter. You see, a competitor to the word of God, Psalm 19, word of God is honey. A competitor to the word of God is, is the words of an adulteress. She can come close so smooth, so sweet, yet she's got the bitter tinge and her words are double-edged sword. You see, two, two things at the same time. Serpent is crafty. Outside, very smooth. Inside, deadly poison. That's why he's called the deceiver. Deception is very, very difficult to find out because serpent on the outside, that's what he is. Very, 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 very smooth. Inside, rough. Let me go down. And uh, if you're in the chat box, for those who can, those who feel convenient, can you name, give, give one characteristic of this picture? Tell me something about the man and something about the girl, if you can. Let me check if I have, yeah. If you would like to write one line about the man, just describe him. What's your first impression about this man and first impression about the girl? Go ahead in the chat box. I'm waiting for one reply, please. Yeah. Uh, I got some reply here. The man looks dangerous. Oh my, dangerous. Ruthless. Yeah, but what adjectives we're getting in. Yeah. Somebody else? Yes. Tell something about the girl. Rogue. Oh. Scheming. My goodness. Yes. He's shabby. Yeah. He needs a haircut. Yes. The girl looks sweet and innocent. Andavare is totram Andavare. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, 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 if you look at the picture now, 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 I don't have to say anything there. You see, this is, this is, this is our room. This is crafty. On the outside, I'm very smooth. Oh, my sweet and innocent and, and I'm harmless. I mean, you think I'm going to kill you? I'm going to chop you? No way. I'm Delilah. I'm the dainty one. You're wearing me out, Samson. Tell me where is your secret? I've come to be your partner for life. You say you love me. You sing, I love you, Lord. Sing, I love you, lass. I'm with you. You see, huh? Arum. This is the serpent. And we look at this man on the outside. He's probably come to put some flowers on his mother who died at the, he's at the tomb and whatnot. I mean, this is just an imaginary story. Yeah. Now let's come to Genesis 3.1 here. The serpent was the smoothest operator of all the creatures that the Lord has made. Smoothest. He can be so convincing yet conniving. He can, he can, he can run through like a smooth butter, but with the sharpest weapon. And that's how we fell in the garden. We were supposed to bud and bloom like the tree of life. We had a mandate in the garden, but we lost because of the smooth operator. Let me come down with the same thing. Some more chat here. Keep repeating naked cunning, naked cunning, naked cunning. What comes to your mind? What comes to your mind when you, when you think about naked? And when you think about cunning, naked and cunning. For the want of time, naked and cunning, both of them are opposites. Naked and cunning, both are opposites. Let me go down to explain. When someone is naked, 
and unclothed, there is no hiding. All the intentions are open. There is nothing. There's no hindering. Vulnerable as they are, that person's self is laid bare for all to see. No hidden intentions, no other motives. Everything is plain, naked. But when it comes to cunning, when someone is cunning, he or she clothes or covers his true intentions and hides behind a mask. The true self is not to be seen. That is cunning. Serpent was naked and cunning at the same time. Serpent was naked and cunning. He was our room with his, with this, with this kind of our room laying bare, he goes to Eve. He doesn't even go to Adam. He goes to Eve and says, I'm as bare as you are. Do you think I'm going to lie to you, Eve? Did God really tell you not to eat the fruit? And yet he was hiding his clear, evil, diabolic intentions to somehow get them out, evict them out of the Garden of Eden. Naked and cunning. So this is what serpent is. So if naked is really opposite of cunning, then it seems to follow that serpent had two opposite qualities at the same time. Honesty and stealth. Sneakiness. Somehow come to steal away. Yet I'm honest and conniving. Both at the same time. In other words, snake, snake was really deceptive, but also straightforward. I, I, I don't, you cannot find the lie in me, but I'm loaded with lie but I can package it with truth. That is deception. That's how the enemy comes in. We lost, we lost the major promises of God because of this kind of attitude. Let me go down again. Therefore, the serpent possessed both opposite qualities. He was honest and wicked. He will say truth and lie. He will appear as she, but behave like a wolf, his fruit is good and evil. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Now, hold on. His fruit is good and evil. I mean, he can, he can bring that out. If there is one thing God said not to touch was this fruit. So this is how the serpent operates right even in our generation. He doesn't come black and black. Paul said he, he comes masquerading as the angel of light. Watch out. Jesus himself said, beware of those not to come just thief and thief. No, beware of those who come like me claiming that I'm Christ. Beware of those who know the full doctrine and come masquerading, but they are just whitewashed tombs. Beware of it. So fruit of good and evil. Let me come. Could it be that what God created good Satan infused evil in it and mixed it up so that say masquerading and putting on a facade that we lost the promise. Watch this diagram quickly. What did you see? You don't have to answer. What did you see? What did you see? And this is how the enemy comes in. This is how we need to wage war these days. And the days are becoming more and more crooked and twisted these days. So, so now, now, Serpent is a master of mixing. He's a master of mixing. And this is one fruit the Lord said, you touch any fruit you want, it goes according to my principle. But this fruit is not my principle. Don't touch this fruit because it's contaminated fruit. Don't touch this. It is distorted. It is twisted. The day you eat it, it seems good on the outside, but the day you eat it, you're going to die. Don't touch this fruit. And we just looked at the container. And we did not look more at the contents. We got enamored by the container. Beware of this world. All the lust of the world. The pleasures of life. And everything seems to be contaminating. Beware of the exterior. Let's not get carried away. But all that it offers to the pleasing eye. So this is what serpent, at one side it's very, very beautiful. Our room, 
naked, seems to have no bad intentions, but right deep within. This is how the serpent operates. This is the principle. And so I thought I should bring this out and let's get into establishing this principle and then learning some lessons for 2021 and seeing that we move in accordance with the promise that the Lord has given to us. The chief weapon of Satan is to mix the truth with lie. If you bring the lie, it's quite easy to find out. It mixing the truth with lie. Oh my. This is the serpent's weapon in our life. Let's come to this parable that Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 13. For those who, who are interested in Bible details, Matthew 13 is a, is a chapter with the highest number of parables. And Jesus was the one, you know, he was a top class storyteller. And there's much wisdom when he spoke in parables. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. While everyone was sleeping, was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seed among, among the wheat. Look at how enemy did not go to the end of the road, to the seventh cross and the last cross and found an empty plot and sowed the wheat. No, the enemy's intention is to come in to the fellowship come into the community, come into the place where the wheat is sown and plant there. While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed wheat among, weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed the heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner of the servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these weeds come from? An enemy did it. This is a picture of the wheat and the tares or the weeds. Wheat and the weeds look very similar and it takes an experienced eye to discern between them. One of the things that we need to pray for as a church and as a generation is we need a spirit of discernment. And I somehow feel that is lacking. We are, we are opening our gates and our doors to whatever we want. There is a caution there. If at all we want to be a plantation of the Lord, if at all we want to be a seed that will bear fruit, that will spread across the planet of the world, if at all we need to hold on to the promise, we need discernment. We need to know what wheat is and what weeds are and distinguish between it. That is our collects go down to. So this is, this is the intention of the enemy. The intention of the enemy is to mix, mix, where the wheat is, he brings in the tares and the wheat. Somehow mix it so that the wheat will not have its growth, stunted growth. Both go together. But there is another meaning that the Lord gives in this parable. Let's go down to that. Then he left the crowd and went into the house and his disciples came and said, explain to us the parable. There is an inner meaning to it. Explain to us the parable, the weeds in the field. It gets interesting here. Jesus answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the sons, sons, children, next generation, sons of the kingdom. Watch this. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. Sons of the evil one, generation of the evil one, children of the evil one. Did you know the devil had children? The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The devil is in the business of mixing evil in the community of faith. The devil is in the business of trying to bring in those weeds and tears right into where God wants to do his plantation work. We've got a promise to bud and blossom. We've got a promise to spread, but watch out for the works of the enemy. He wants to bring in some kind of similar plantations into the body of Christ. What hit me hard was the devil has got his children. Devil, look at this, John chapter 8. We pray our father in heaven. But did you know that Jesus addressed devil as father? He's got his whole family. Jesus hitting out at the Pharisees here. John 8, 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, 
you would love me for i came from god and now i'm here i have not come on my own but he has sent me why is my language not clear to you because you're unable to share what i say because you don't belong to my breed you're not my clan you don't have my blood you don't have my intentions you don't listen to me because your father is not my father was 44 you belong to your father the devil my goodness and you want to carry out your father so devil is a father satan has got his own desires he's got he's calling out his father's desire he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him he packages the truth as our room he's a murderer promising life he kills promising truth he lies some 140 verse 3 their their mouths spew poison the poison of vipers is on their lips they seem to speak life but no no wonder we got to be careful with this motivational videos this video that video it seems to contain truth and it magnifies self but it does not contain the real truth of jesus christ when he speaks he speaks his native language for he of lies every place you have mother tongue this is one place you have father tongue devil's father tongue is described as lying father of lies and he's got children his intention is to somehow steal kill and murder and he's got he's got people with his own intention as much as we are striving sunday after sunday to gather together to go on to the promise to have our prayers to study god's word and we want to be that fruit that will blood and bud and blossom and spread we have a word we have a task we have an assignment as much as we have the enemy does have with his children let me go down we all know his desire to steal kill and destroy Look at these verses talking about the children of the devil. Matthew chapter 3 verse 7. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees who come to baptism, John the Baptist said, "You generation of vipers." My goodness. Everybody knew that vipers there. Right from the garden of Eden, generation of vipers, you you seem to have the truth but you don't obey. they knew micah chapter 5 was 2 that was from the little town of bethlehem that jesus was born they knew it all but they did not take a step to worship pharisees and sadducees there's one cadet of people that jesus somehow expressed his high displeasure was on this hypocrites hypocrites means actors they know they are not true on the inside but they know how to act very well they are the generational wipers Jesus again oh generation of wipers how can you being evil speak good you, you you got these two components inside mixed up you think you can you can you can really speak the truth no way you are evil generation of wipers Matthew 23 again same with the Pharisees you serpents straight generation of wipers how can you escape the damnation of hell Paul talking to Elymas he says full of subtlety and mischief you child of the devil I mean, in Hindi, it is too horrific. Shaitan ke bache. My goodness, this is too much there. Paul is exploding with elements because he is fully with witchcraft and black magic and all kind of evil stumbling block to the gospel. He looks straight and says, "You are the child of the devil." Is it not offensive? Yes, it's offensive, but that's the truth. Enemy of all righteousness. One John chapter three verse ten. This is how we know who the children of God are. It doesn't stop there, and who the children of the devil are. Devil has got children. Yes, God so loved the world. It's a unilateral love, but there is the distinguishing mark of the people, the children, the children, the children of God, and the children of the devil. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. Very categorical. there is it's not unilateral you cannot brush it away no 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 push everybody as a no way the bible has got this dichotomy anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of god nor is anyone who does not love his brother 1 john chapter 3 verse 12 do not be like cain who belong 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 to the evil one once you belong to the evil one you will carry out the evil one's desire 
he murdered his brother. That's why God had to wait for Seth to come because Seth was the one who could take in the promise of God and fulfill it. But Cain belonged to the, God could not work with Cain. He was sold out for evil. Okay, I've got three points for us today. But let me, let me just tell you what, what, what we did till now. We started from Genesis and we kept on building upon the principles of the seed. Right from the Old Testament. And then we went on to the New Testament to establish that the seed is very important. Serpent has got his seed. The Lord has got his seed. We are the seed of the Lord. But the enemy's intent is to mix that seed. He's a crafty one. He's in the business of mixing. So therefore in 2021, what should we do? Check out things that contaminate and cut them off. If we want to move in the promises of God, check out these things. I've got three points that I put it down. Second Corinthians 7 1. Therefore, since we have, let me paraphrase it for our situation or our circumstance, since we have this promise in 2021 that we will bud and blossom, we will take root and God is going to use our fruit which has got a seed within so that we will spread and make an impact. Since we have a promise that is missional, since we have a promise to establish that is kingdom work, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. Pause there, dear friends, and watch that. Purify ourselves. It is not 1 John 1, 9 where the blood of Jesus will purify you. It is you got to purify yourself. You got to treat sin as sin. You got to cut it off. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus was asking us to deal with the root and not the shoot. Moses said this on the exterior, but I tell you this, your righteousness should go deeper and higher than the Pharisees. Purify yourself. I mean, it's a very simple way of, 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 of understanding. In those days, in the youth meetings, they used to say, you need to get rid of addictions. Don't ask God to pull out the cigarette from your lips if you're a smoker. You've got to do that. You've got to identify sin. Purify yourselves. You've got to watch out in 2021. Purify yourselves, our, ourselves from everything that can... What is the meaning of contaminate? Contaminate means mix. The stream is good. It is the drinking water. It is pure. Contamination means you bring in something that is adulterating, poisonous, harmful. It contaminates the truth. It contaminates that which is sacred. Purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Children of God, people of God, watch out for things that contaminate your spirit. If your spirit is contaminated, your worship is contaminated. Our obedience is contaminated. Our love is contaminated. Our walk is contaminated. Our faith is contaminated. Paul says, watch out. Because the enemy comes so subtle packaging the contaminated stuff with all its glamour and glitter that we lose out. Perfect holiness look at that word perfecting it's a progressive it is continuous tense we become I like what, what, what pastor says become like Jesus one step at a time it's not automatic click of a button you are Jesus today no we, 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 we become like we walk as Jesus walked one day at a time it is organic it is proportional to your prayer life it is proportional to your word life it's proportional to your obedience God gives you instruction and your instruction is based and dependent on your past obedience. If level one obedience is not done, God will not give you instruction number two. It is progressive. And let's understand this in 2021. God wants us to have a vision of his holiness. 
and his reverence. God is not hurrying to finish off his business. Now Exodus chapter 3. Moses was given this unusual encounter. After 400 years, God comes and breaks his silence. Looking at a man, 80 year old, right drying up on Mount Horeb. God says, Moses, Moses. The first thing God does not tell him is finish my assignment. Go and challenge Pharaoh. Get my people out and no. The first thing God tells Moses, the first and the foremost thing God tells us, take off your shoes for the place we are standing is holy. God wanted Moses to have a revelation of his holiness. If at all we want to keep ourselves free from contamination, we need a revelation of his holiness. Without holiness, there is no way we can see God, we can please God, we can do and fulfill the promises of God. We need a vision of his holiness. For everyone who has seen the holiness of God, sin will look horrific. If I'm sitting down in my chair and watching all the nonsense and nothing happens to me, I don't think I've encountered the holiness of God. For anyone who's encountered the holiness of God, they will act so, 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 so with, with such hatred towards sin. When Moses came down the mountain and he saw the people of Israel worshipping the golden calf, he threw, look at what the holiness of God did. 40 days and 40 nights gazing upon his holiness came full of the fire, the presence, the beauty of God hit on him. But when he saw sin, he was horrified. He threw the commandments, powdered it. And he said, those that are on the Lord's side come. And then the Levites came in. They went to the camp and they slaughtered 3,000 people. Look at the anger that comes in. Why you saw the holiness of God? In New Testament, it is kill sin. Romans 8.13. It is by the spirit we put to death sin. Misdeeds of the flesh. 2021, get the realization of the holiness of God. Let us be gripped with the, because it is progressive, perfecting holiness. If at all we want to perfect holiness, we must identify things that contaminate the seed because the enemy comes with mixed stuff. I was just looking at that video that keeps coming before the service begins and I spotted out, worship the Lord or attend the worship with reverence for God. Reverence for God. The old school Pentecostal is so different. And somehow we need to preserve and propagate that. Reverence for God. Reverence for God. When we lose reverence for God, we lose respect for his word. When we lose respect for his word, sin becomes an okay, okay for us. For us, tolerating sin is normal. Why? First place, no reverence for God. Find out the moment you start cutting off things that contaminate. There will be a vision of his holiness. And out of reverence. Reverence. Our words, our deeds, our actions, our motive reverence for God. Practically speaking. There are two gates through which information passes through your heart. Your eye gate and your ear gate. Watch out for things in 2020 that pass through your eye gate and your gate. Guard them. God did not make you to and manufacture you, create you to handle 150 WhatsApp messages a day. You are not made to watch 25 videos in one hour. Do not accept every information that comes. Watch out for humor. One day the Spirit of God convicted me so much about humor videos, fun videos. I don't think the enemy is so subtle. Watch out for all the movies that you allow your children to watch. We watch, sit and watch. Watch out. Today the name of the game is media. You think it's new? It was there 2000, 6,000 years ago, right in the garden. People of God, we need to put a watchman on our eyes, a watchman on our ears. We got to be careful and we got to be more, more stricter in what gets inside us because that which enters the eye gate and the ear gate hits the heart. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence. 
There is no way we can be lackadaisical. There's no way we can be lethargic. There's no way we can say, Chalta hai. No. All those videos, that all that comes in, in such pomp and show, you think, you think it is just for entertainment? It has got a higher ulterior motive. It is mixed up. Everybody said, you know how the, how the Hollywood does it? They said Titanic was very good movie. It's got, it's got 10 awards, 11 awards, this award, but insert nude scenes, insert scenes that are immoral. Bring in pictures of, 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 of all that is filthy and dirty. Bring in things that is contaminated, but package it as if it's an award-winning movie. Are we too blind to allow Netflix, to allow YouTube, to allow whatever it is? And then we struggle with holiness. We get nightmares. Our thought lives is contaminated. We can't think straight. We don't have a word from God. We struggle with obedience. We struggle with addiction. Why? Because we got to learn to put on God. For information that goes through our eyes and ears. That's when the promise will come alive. That's when we'll be a generation who will fulfill the purposes of God. Oh. Point number two. There is no nothing magical about this number. But I just put it so that we will remember this, this number. And you know this, uh, this picture. Wolf in sheep's clothing. Trying to feed the little one. Point number two. I'm just going to take us straight to Ephesians chapter 20. Very moving chapter. Paul He's finished his three years of ministry and he's uh, bidding farewell to all the elders of the church. And so they all have a last farewell meeting and he's giving a farewell address. And then it begins with verse 29. And this is what he says. I know that after I de my departure, savage wolves, savage means, savage wolves are those who, who are not willing to spare. Savage wolves are those who come into the sheep and savage means to bite, chew. In other sense, to make it chutney. That's the meaning of savage. Bloody wolves, bloodthirsty wolves. And look at how he puts in and gives that imagery there. After my departure, savage wolves will, will come, not may come, will come among you. Look at the mixing there. Look, look, look at the picture that he gives. The same principle of our room. Savage wolves will come in sheep's clothing. That's what Jesus said. In sheep's clothing, that, that statement there. Wolves will come and among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number. Men will rise up and distort. Mix it up. Twist it. Contaminate it. Distort the truth. Mix the truth with a lie. They will not preach everything lie. They'll distort to draw away disciples from them. Therefore, be alert and remember that for three years, that is 365 into three, I never stopped warning each of you day and night. So that means if there is one sermon that Paul preached for three years, morning once and evening once. So I just did a small mathematics, 365 into three and into two you get 2,190. For if you take, just figuratively, if there's one sermon that Paul preached over and over and over again, 2,190 times is watch out for false Bible teachers. Watch out, watch out for those who distort the truth. Every message is not from God. Every preaching is not from God. Everyone who's listening to my voice, I want to tell you, I did this, this search from the, in the New Testament. All the 27 books of the New Testament warn about false teaching. Those who come with mixed, mixed messages. We are a church and I know for sure that we preach the truth in its utter clarity. I think a lot of time and energy and thought goes in to prepare a sermon to come to you. Watch out. We don't want bless me messages. We don't want to run for hyper grace. We don't want to press magical buttons and get an impartation from nowhere to say God is working. No, there is diligence that is required to get the word of God out. Watch out for what you listen. Watch out for sermons that come in. Every message, every bless me message is not from God. 
No, no, no. He speaks the truth. It seems so nice. Watch out. Jesus himself said this. And Paul said this with tears. 2,190 times. Watch out for what you listen. We need Bible study. We need systematic approach to God's word. We need sound doctrines that will match our life. We need Bible reading. We need discipline in our children. We cannot press. You cannot satisfy your Bible reading with substitutes. A morning WhatsApp message. An evening, a YouTube message, and I'm feeding my... No, 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 no. The Spirit of God resides in you. Don't you know that God who resides in you is a God who's, who has a jealous spirit? He longs for fellowship with you. He longs for communion with you. He wants to talk to you. How will the Spirit of God speak unless and until you open God's word? May God give us grace for clarity, a hunger for purity. A hunger for sound doctrine. In the last days, many will come. They'll be swayed right to the left, including the doctrines of demons. Look at, look at one of the things that the church was not willing to speak that Jesus spoke in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, the church at Thyatira, Jesus said, everything is okay. Your faith is okay. Your works are okay. Your this is okay. But nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate this woman Jezebel. She's, Jezebel is not in, in MTV. Jezebel is not in some of the, some of the channel. No, she is a prophetess. She's got the mantle of teaching. She takes the Bible and opens it up and by her teachings, it's not by her dance. It's not by her choreography. It's not by her seductions, but it's by her teaching. She misleads my servants into sexual immoral, immorality. There's a whole series of teaching. Sexual immorality is okay. God does not bother to you because you're, you're living a lustful life. You can have this marriage. You can have that sex. You can, I'm telling you, all these doctrines are not from God. Jezebel, a spirit of manipulation, a spirit of immorality is hitting around the churches. We got to guard it. Do not mix the seed, the pure, unperishable Potential seed of God with anything. Watch out. Sexual immorality is sin. But the doctrine today is it's all okay. Grace gospel, it's okay. Give a discount, it's okay. Amen, a woman is okay. This kind of movie. So, does it disturb you when you see and watch immoral stuff on your television screen, on your mobile screen? Is it okay for you? Do you roll it off? Or is, is there some burning that happens in you? Jesus said, his eyes are full of fire. His feet is burnished bronze. He said, I don't tolerate this. It is contaminated. When children watch cartoon and some ugly language comes, what happens to you? Do you jump on your chair and say, no way. I'm the head of the house. I'm the priest God ordained. This stuff is not in my house. If we got to move in that promise where we will bud and blossom, we got to learn how to cut it off. I love you, Lord, with all my heart was the first song we sang. If we got to learn how to love the Lord, we must learn how to hate evil. To love God is to hate evil. It's not to blur the lines. Last point for the day. How does the enemy work? How does he carry out his desires? He mixes his children among the children of God. I want to talk to the youngsters here and the children and the parents all in one point. There are some relationships you need to identify in 2021 that's not of God. They can be packaged very well. Don't run after good things. There's a difference between goodwill and Godwill. From far, Lot saw the region of Sodom and his eyes, he began to see and say, it looks like the garden of God. But very soon it became a hotbed for homosexuality. From far it seemed good. Naked eye cannot see the spiritual trap. Naked eye cannot see the spiritual trap. No wonder we need to be led by the spirit. No wonder that that book of Romans is so pivotal. 
No wonder you got to, we got to listen over and over again. No wonder we need that baptism, that anointing to be led by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18, be being filled. All that we have, that overflowing experience of being filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I don't do things on my own accord. I only do what I see my father doing. God will raise up. May God raise up in age, age those who have the spiritual antennas fine-tuned to the Holy Ghost. Maybe have the voice of God that will distinguish between that which is contaminated and that which is pure. Maybe have the praise of God that does not mix the salt water and the sweet water. Maybe have a generation that will know how to walk in truth, putting on the belt of truth and taking the shield of faith and extinguishing all the fiery arrows of the enemy. Maybe have those who can take on the sword of God and wield against every works of the enemy. We need that in this generation. That's why we have this promise. This promise is not a joke. It's not something that came from nowhere. It has got an intrinsic potential for AGAG to propel and spread far and wide. Amen. Praise the Lord. Last book of the Bible, Malachi chapter 2 verse 1. I mean 2 verse 11 and 12. Judah has broken. Judah means praise. Praise has broken faith. What is praise done here? A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary. Desecrated the presence. Desecrated the place of praise. How? By marrying the daughters of a foreign god, Mixi. I'm alluding to our generation. There is no way you as a seed can mix with the seed that is not of God. There is no way that you cannot argue about it. You cannot convince. You cannot butter it. Young man, young woman, you are a seed that God wants to use to blood and uh, bud and blossom. You cannot mix with the ungodly, period. Because the enemy can do that. The boy is good, the job is good, the money is good, the land is good, the building is good. But does it have the seal of approval of God? Judah comes to the presence of God, but, but it's desecrating, sacrilegious. Come into the place of praise, but you're filled with mixed stuff. And God says, no, I don't want all these offerings. As for this man, what does whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings offerings to, you cannot bribe God when it's holiness. You cannot bribe God when God has set his boundaries and, and peripheries. You cannot overstep his command. We got to recognize that perfecting holiness which comes out of reverence for God. We got to be careful in our relationships. Go down again. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are his. In body and spirit you belong to the Lord. You're not a solo man. Body and anyone, if you have a communion, the union with the spouse in marriage is not just body to body, it is spirit to spirit. There is the spirit to spirit amalgamation that happens. And if you're going to unite with someone who's not of God, that the spirit of God does not dwell, coexist with evil. The spirit of God works in contrary to the flesh. There is no way. There is huge disagreement. The chasm is so strong. There is no way you can mix. What does the God want from marriage? All the parents with children watch this. And all those who don't have children watch this. What does God want? What does God want out of our marriage? Does he want money? Does he want a honeymoon photos? Does he want this trip, that trip? Does he want how much money we made and this and that, the other? What does God want out of marriage? Look at that. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. Godly offspring. Children of God. That's what. That he may seek a godly seed. Seed, seed, seed. This promise in 2021 is just not for us as members. It's for the next generation. 
that which happens in 2021, I want to prophesy over our children that they might be the carriers of the kingdom, carriers of the promise that God sees a seed which is not mixed, seed which is guarded, seed which is watered with the water of the Holy Ghost, seed that comes up. God is bothered about the seed. It is the seed of the woman which will crush the head of the serpent. It was the seed of Zechariah and Elizabeth that became a voice in the wilderness. It was the seed in the womb of Mary that was born as a savior of the world. Seed is where the promise is fulfilled. Our children are important. Oh, that you would lay your hands and anoint the children and pray that they will be godly seed. We don't want mixed seed. I will put an enmity between you, that is serpent and the woman, between your seed. Let us not sell our seed to evil. May our children who grow up in our boundaries, in our garden, may they not serve the enemy. Beware of what goes on in their mobiles, in their laptops, in their iPads, in their language, in their prayer life. May they grow up to be seed that will serve the Savior and not the serpent. Because it is the seed that will bruise the head. We are doing so much. We all have contributed towards the building and, and probably in our, in our spirit, we can see a building coming up. But it's the next generation. I remember pastor trying to say that we can build only so much, but the next generation got to take the baton and move. It's our children. Or that there will be some preachers, some evangelists, some missionaries from our fellowship. That we will lay hands on them, pour that oil of anointing, release them to be Isaiah 27, 6, that they will go and spread the word of God. Let us be that church, the seed. It is the seed. You've got to guard. We got to, you know why we're called to purity, called to holiness? Because of our children. I hope you get that. that, that is, is it Revelation chapter 12? Where John gets to see the vision, a woman is pregnant and about to give birth. When the woman is pregnant, no attack. When you come to the time of delivery, when the woman comes to bring forth the child, the dragon comes in and tries to kill that child. It is because the seed has got the promise. The next generation that comes from a womb has got the promise to fulfill, to fulfill the work of God. May God give us grace. Let me close with this story. First Samuel chapter 2, we have two pregnant women. You have Hannah. Not having a child. In a bitterness of her soul. She's weeping. Give me a seed. Give me a seed. Give me a seed. Give me a seed. Listen to me, Lord, and give me a seed. Only if you can give me one seed. She's in the temple courts. She's weeping when everybody leaves the service. She's up there babbling. Nobody can understand her equations and troubles and anxiety that's going inside. The Bible says in the bitterness of her soul, she raised a cry to God. Give me a seed. Samuel was born. She keeps his name Samuel because she says God has heard me. Now watch this. When Samuel was in the temple as an eight-year-old boy, the Lord says, Samuel, Samuel. You know what Samuel says? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Listening. There was a time when God heard the mother. Now the boy says, God, I will hear you. Because one day, I know when my mother was crying, you heard my mother. Now, Lord, I will listen to you. Speak, Lord. I don't know much. I don't know the destiny. I don't know what you want to do in the country. I don't know much of the intellect. But God, I'm here to listen. Thank God for testimonies in our church. May the children listen to what God is doing in and through this ministry. So that many will come one day and say, Lord, I'm here to listen to you. Speak, your servant is listening. There's another woman in chapter 4 who becomes pregnant. Pregnant by one of the sons of Eli. His name is Phinehas. Phinehas in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 22. And following 
is sleeping with other women in the in the tent of the Lord. At the entrance of the tent of the Lord, he's got a promiscuous relationship. Sleeping with other women, comes home and makes his wife pregnant. Look at that seed. Seed of promiscuity. A child is born. On the day he was born, five people die in the home. Daddy dead in the war. Uncle dead in the war. Grandfather died hearing the news. Mother is about to die. She overcomes with pain and sorrow. And this is the name that she gives. Ikabot. No glory. No presence. No praise. No word. Look at the seed that is born. Hardly you have one or twi twice. I think in the Bible you have this name. There is no future for Ikabot. There's no glory for Ikabod. As we have this promise in 2021, are we going to give birth to Samuels? Or are we going to give birth to Ikabods? Let me put it down right into our homes. Are we nurturing Samuels in our house? Are Ikabods increasing? Do we have the spirit of God and win us so much so that we respond, Lord, I'm listening to you. May I be the seed that will propel. May I be the seed that will take root. May I be the seed that will bud and blossom. May I be the one who will be like the descendants of Israel to carry the message of the gospel. May God give us grace. In the days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom. And fill all the world with fruit containing seed. Shall we close our eyes?